This is America's WebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. It is great to be with you again on uh, this beautiful summer day, David. The longest day in two years, David. The longest because day. Because we're adding there. a second today, apparently, to, yeah. the, to the leap clock. Ah. The leap second is being added today. So it's uh, you've got a little bit of extra time to do what you need to do. Uh, now, David, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, we got a new presidential candidate coming into the race today, <laughs> and we had one come in last week. Um, I think they're known as the two least successful GOP governors in the United States. Am I accurate about that? I'm not really quite sure, but, uh, uh, you know, I've always liked Chris Christie, mostly because I'm from Jersey, and I like Jersey guys. And he's got that whole Jersey thing about him. But I don't think the country's going to be too happy about him. I, I don't know how well that plays around the rest of the United States, particularly in the GOP strongholds of the South and the West. I'm, I'm not that sure that, that attitude kind of rings. You know, people have a long memory on he and uh, your president having a big, <laughs> big bear hug. Hey, so, it's uh, your president that painted the White House different colors, okay? No, it's so your president. You voted for him. And, and, you know, I tell you, the thing that people have missed on that little painting of the White House, a little color demonstration, is you don't set something like that up in two minutes after the decision has been rendered. Well, they didn't take two minutes. They had all day, David. All they do is replace some light bulbs. <laughs> I guess. I mean, it's um, all it is. Some light bulbs is all it is. Mm-hmm. David was not happy about that. I told him I didn't care. Um uh, the elections have consequences. One of the consequences, I guess, is you get to light your house whatever color you want to uh, when you live there. Um, so, but no, the uh, the two the two new GOP guys coming in present very different views on immigration. Uh, Bobby Jindal, uh, who himself is the child of immigrants from from India, uh, is uh, probably one of the most anti-immigration candidates in the race. I mean, he doesn't. Compare really to Scott Walker, who wants to you know close the drawbridge and build a bubble around America and and reduce legal immigration to, to nothing uh, with his buddies from the uh, from the Know Nothing movement and the Eugenics movement. Uh, but um, Jindal says uh, you know he supports legal immigration. They should learn English. They should adopt our values. They should roll up their sleeves and go to work. You know uh, that's great. I, I think people should learn English. How much is the federal government going to allot for their education? Oh, wait a second. You, you want government to shrink, so there'll be no government help at all to accomplish what you say must happen. So who's a dictator now? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Jindal does. I think Jindal's got zero chance. Dave, what about you? Any, any, any prediction on Jindal getting the nomination? Is, or less than, is less than zero possibility? Not, not good. Or is he running for I – mean, are some of these guys running for vice president? Uh, that's uh, Biden clearly was. Biden was never really running for president. Yeah, we don't even want to talk about Mr. Biden. <laughs> um, you know that that's always a possibility. Uh, the, the lady may be, uh, but I heard Carly Fiorina's numbers uh, have been popping up out in California. Uh, I, I will show you. The next time I vote for somebody who was fired from their job, I'll vote for Donald Trump instead of Carly Fiorina. <laughs> uh, and that gets us to the Donald. Now, David, I know uh, that uh, you were fully aware that yesterday the Donald was, in fact, 
fired uh, from his job at NBC, uh, where he was on really probably one of the worst shows on television, The Apprentice. Other than it was number four in the ratings. I don't disagree. I wouldn't watch it. It's a terrible show. It's a terrible show. A pointless, terrible show. Um, And he's made even worse by The Celebrity Apprentice, where we find washed-up celebrities who could make a career in the limelight and put them in charge of businesses. Uh, Overall, a great idea to watch. It's like going to a zoo. Say, look at that animal we brought in from Madagascar. Isn't that cool? It's, a, it's voyeurism at its worst. So good riddance and goodbye to Donald Trump. Uh, he also has zero chance of being elected, although uh, he has 100% chance of guaranteeing uh, that the GOP does not win the White House. 100% chance of guarantee. The longer he stays in the race, the greater the chance the GOP has of, of, of failing. Um, and that, coupled with some news on DAPA, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, really gets us to the point... That to date, the 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 real movement in the GOP towards ensuring an election in which they beat the Democrats uh, uh, can be summed up in really two words. I mean, I would say three words. It's not happening. There's literally been no movement. I mean, I guess you could argue Jeb Bush has moved a little bit on this, but there's really been no movement to try to. Um, broaden the appeal of the GOP. In fact, David, I was reading an article yesterday about Ann Coulter. You know, I know, you're a big, huge fan of Ann Coulter. Uh, uh, the blonde hair, the shrill voice, the the witchy appearance, I mean, all that, that, that wonderness that really gets you to, to, to Ann Coulter. And something was really interesting about this article, because it talked about how she literally can't get on TV, hardly even to Fox anymore, to promote her newest book, which completely bashes immigrants and says we should close the door and not let anybody else in. Uh, Nobody else in. That's the type of thing that leads to her conclusion. Uh, This is is her advice to GOP candidates. They should pursue only the white vote. And by pursuing only the white vote, they will win the next election. Now, that is just... I think the gay marriage decision, David, actually shows you that that's not likely to happen. Are there a majority of Americans today that are opposed to gay marriage? The numbers look like there's not. The numbers look like they're not. Which means there's not a majority, there's not a number that gets, and I think if you look at of whites, is there a majority of whites who oppose gay marriage? I, don't, I haven't seen a stat on this. My guess is there may well be. Why? Well, the voting age of, of white Americans is higher than the voting age of everybody else, the average voting age, because there's more white Americans because of the, of the older generation, like you, David, and like me, because of the baby boom generation. The baby boom generation really was a boom in growth in white America and to some extent black America after World War II. So that bubble is now in retirement and is going towards, what is the appropriate word? Death. Death. I was going to use extinction, one of the two, death or extinction. But America remains the same size because of immigration. So, but behind us, we don't have, you know, white Europeans immigrating. We have uh, Latinos immigrating. We have Asians immigrating, which bring a different type of, 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 of culture, a little bit different type of point of view to the electorate. And as a result, 
they change how they view things in the movement going forward. That means for, for the GOP, unless they can broaden their appeal to include more Latinos, more Asians, more African Americans, they have zero chance of winning the next national election. Now, at the same time, David, there was another very powerful Supreme Court case that came down yesterday. Now, I love the Supreme Court case because you and I, David, are on the same page. You're in favor of term limits, right? I'm in favor of term limits. I think term limits are essential to a democracy, in my opinion. Yesterday, the Supreme Court said something very interesting on, uh, on this, on, related to this. Why does, why in an election in 2014, when more people voted for Democratic congressmen than voted for Republican congressmen, total, if you just looked at the sheer numbers, why then was there a Republican landslide? If more Democrats, Democrats got more votes total than Republicans, why, was, why are there so many more Republicans in Congress? The answer is simple, because of gerrymandering at the state level. Republicans have done a much better job beginning really in the early 2000s of targeting state legislative races, meaningless state legislative races. Why? Because then they can create majorities in the state legislatures, which then when the census comes around allows them to draw the congressional districts, which then says, hey, we can have a lot of Republican districts and we're going to gerrymander Democrats out of seats. Clearly it's happened and it's a brilliant strategy and the Democrats were too stupid to do anything about it. They didn't see it coming. So as these guys are now elected, we know that the next election is not going to change who's control, unless there's some miracle that happens, which I don't think is going to happen. Boehner's still going to control the House of Representatives. Republicans are still going to control the House of Representatives. So as we move forward, what does that mean for Congress? Congress is likely to slip back, and Senate's likely to slip to, 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 to Democrats in the next election, a strong possibility. It will all depend on who the Republicans put up to move forward on attracting minority voters, and assume to be not minority voters, to the party. And to date, really, Jeb, and you know who else, actually, uh, who I really, really like, and you may like him, too, I don't know, John Kasich, who's the governor of Ohio. Been an excellent governor, by all accounts. He won, I don't know, 75% of the vote in the last, that's an incredible number of votes in, a, in what is clearly a purple state. Um, and uh, he is going to be doing a little tour uh, look, kind of do a sounding out to whether he is the guy that come in the middle. He's the he's the Bush anti-Bush. Jeb Bush's biggest problem, his last name is Bush. If his name was Jeb Jones, and he had the politics he has, and everybody would probably say, "Wow, strong conservative governor, a little liberal on the immigration issue, but not too much. I could live with that." Okay, I like I like Jeb. I love Jeb Jones. Jeb Bush? Oh no, I can't like Jeb Bush. That's bad. So, since he's not going to change his name, <laughs> although he is Latino and he could be, uh, he could change his name to Columbus last name, that would be kind of cool. Uh, we got John Kasich, who really is the Bush anti-Bush. Many of the same policies, many of the same conservative principles, uh, smaller government approach, sensible smaller government approach, uh, good on issues that I like. I mean, not great on every issue, but good on a lot of issues. Um, I think he may be jumping into the race here in July or August. It's clearly not too late if he's got strong backing. Particularly once we see Christie jump in and Jindal has jumped in, and we see they just don't have the ability to attract the moolah. Uh, the people that, back, that were backing Christie in 2011 uh, uh, um, to try to get into the race, 
uh, aren't going to back him again. They've already been swooped up by many other candidates like Marco Rubio or Jeb Bush or Scotty Walker. Um, so I, I think, David, our biggest concern going forward, for the GOP at least, is how can we implement policies and ideas and proposals if we don't have a president who will sign what we want to do? I mean, I'm looking at this most recent thing that happened in Congress, the, the TPA. I think it's TPA or TPPA, I forget. It's the Trade Authority. That was a Republican proposal advocated for by a Democratic president and opposed by Democratic members of Congress. Okay? Why was Obama in favor of this when it was a Republican idea? And you have to ask yourself, why? First of all, it's true that presidents, big-picture presidents, are typically very pro-trade. A Clinton, the NAFTA agreement. Okay, uh, I doubt that NAFTA would have passed if it was Bush's idea. Either Bush 1 or Bush 2. The NAFTA passes. So Obama wants his trade authority. He gets it. Uh, Republicans give it to him over objections. Now, here's what's interesting, David. You have allies in the Democratic Party against Obama on this, allied with, with some members of the GOP or against Obama on this. And so you had kind of the middle of both parties. What could the middle of both parties do on other issues? Could they fix corruption in politics? Could they fix immigration? Uh, could they fix voting issues? Could they fix the Voting Rights Act? I think a lot could be done by this middle, as an example of what they just gave, what they just did with the TPA, if they would say, you know what, this is important to us as a country, this is what we're going to do. I just think too many of these guys are just afraid of not getting reelected. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted tiene problemas con inmigración o asuntos que tiene que arreglar, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Tenemos más de 50 años de experiencia haciendo las leyes de inmigración y defendiendo a los inmigrantes. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611 o al www.immigration.net. My name is Dr. Jeff Terry from Mobile, Alabama. I love taking care of my patients and not computers. That is why I need your help. On October 1st, the government will mandate that I implement the new ICD-10 coding system, and if not able to do so, then I will be put out of business and my patients will have to find a new physician. Please call and write your congressmen and senators today and tell them no to ICD-10. Tell them physicians need a grace period in order to concentrate on you, the patient, and not the computer. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is America's Welcome Web back Radio. to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Best. David, we kind of skipped the garden update because I was so interested in politics. <laughs> but my garden's doing well. We had a lovely squash casserole last night, which was de- squash and zucchini casserole with, t- with tomatoes, all from the garden. The, t- the onions did not come from the garden, but Costco took care of that uh, for us. 
but it is going it's going well. And I picked a five gallon bucket full of radishes on Saturday. Wow! Literally a five gallon bucket, completely full of radishes. Now, what do you do with all the radishes? Because you can't really uh, put them. I gave them to a friend of mine who's going to pickle them. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I've never had a pickled radish. They're excellent. They're very light. They're not like heavy pickling like like uh, pickles are. Yeah. It's a really light vinegary pickle. And it tastes awesome. Hmm, it's never a, had that. It's awesome. It's like, dude, like, have you done refrigerator pickles? Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's like refrigerator pickles, oh, basically. Okay. All right. um, and they're like the people I gave to the Latinos, they love radishes. But I had red ones. I had German giant, about the size of my fist. Wow. Uh, I had black, uh, uh, long ones, about about four inches long, and I had white ones. Wow. And so you I were in the radish business. I, I, I pulled them all out because they were starting to go to seeds. So I pulled them all out. I will rototill on Saturday, and I'll plant some more. You can still plant them, huh? <laughs> you can plant radishes all summer long. You can just plant. You just plant. They're in the, the shady part of my garden. In so, the shady part. Yeah, so they get tough. shade in the morning, shade in the afternoon in that part of the garden. So it gets just enough sun. Um, but what I what I still have going going like crazy is, is lettuce. I got so much lettuce, I don't want to do this right. every year. I always plant too much lettuce. But I have arugula this year was the, was the king. Yeah. Uh, my melons are. Growing like crazy. I have cantaloupe and, and I think five different varieties of melons <laughs> that are growing. My watermelons, I have four different types of watermelons that are grown. They're on the vine. My zucchini are all over the place. My cucumbers, I have so many flowers on the cucumbers, I don't even know what to do with the cucumber flowers. Hopefully they're all cutting the cucumbers. Uh, and even my loofah gourds are growing. Ah. Now, the one mistake I made this year when I rotated the garden, David, is last year I had. A gourd uh, that I grew, and it was a, it was one of those gourds with, with it's bulbous at the top, it gets skinny, and gets really big at the bottom. You see them like for bird feeders and stuff, right? So I had one of those that grew last year on the fence, and I wasn't paying attention when I rototilled. Ah. And I didn't pick them all last year, and apparently one of them popped open, going over a certain part of my garden. And now I've got about thirty of those plants uh, crawling all over the place, and I. I'm not one for uh, pulling out wild plants that are real. I always feel bad, you know. I feel, oh, it's a good plant. I can you can't use these things for anything. You can't eat them. Yeah. They're just decorative gourds. So I'm debating whether to yank them out uh, on Saturday or not. I'm, I'm going to see. Uh, but uh, my tomatoes are doing great. How's finally. your okra doing? Okra is doing good. It's about knee high at this point. Yeah. Uh, starting. It should be starting to get some okra on it this week. My corn is starting to flower. The 20 stalks that grew out of the five rows I had. Um, what I forgot to plant this year was sunflowers. Huh. I always plant sunflowers. I just forgot to plant them this year. My peppers are mediocre. I only had about a third of my pepper plants stay alive. Really? Yeah. A bell and jalapeno? A bell and jalapeno. I got a couple habaneros. It was a sprinkling of ten different varieties. You know, I had ten of each. I had a hundred plants that I planted. There's probably 30 that lived. I I don't know what happened. I think I planted them too small. I didn't have enough, uh, didn't have enough, uh, stuff. Uh, ready to go in the garden when I needed it to go in. Uh, it wasn't going good in my greenhouse. Um, but my greenhouse is doing great, although I lost 10 tomato plants in my greenhouse with some bug that literally ate every leaf hmm. off of 10 right now. So one would be eaten, one next to it is fine. Skip two plants, and one's completely gone. Huh. So I did the bad thing, David. You sprayed. I sprayed. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to lose all my tomato plants. I'm sorry. I just, I took the poison seven out, and I just threw it on there. <laughs> And you know what? The rest of the plants are fine. And the ones that they ate are coming back. <laughs> but I have three eggplants growing in my in my greenhouse as well. Mm. And they're growing like crazy. So that's the garden. Oh, the last garden update, I got my new tractor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have What's you seen you the get? picture on my Facebook page? Anybody who's, oh. 
Anybody who's a member and listens to us, of course, you can go to my Facebook page, Charles Cook. You can go to my farmer's Facebook page, too, Cook Immigration Partners. But uh, on uh, Charles Cook, i got pictures of my garden and my pictures of my What, what uh, my kind of tractor? Uh, tractor i got a, nine, a John Deere 950 this time. Ah. Uh, again, it's about 88, 1988 version. It's about 26 or 27 years old. Well cared for. I got it from the second owner who knew the first owner. Uh, he had just bought a new 1250 or something like that. So it's bigger than the 850 I had, more powerful, 30 horsepower. Um, and uh, frankly, in many ways, a little bit easier to use, even though it's really the same thing, just bigger than the 850. Uh, what I like about it, though, is I got it for 5000 bucks, delivered from Alabama. From Alabama. From Alabama. They brought it over. I spent six on the 850 six years ago. So... It, it's a great shape, and my neighbor and I went halvesies on it, so it only cost me twenty five hundred bucks. Ah! So I'm excited about it. meet my neighbor Zach. I taught Zach how to drive a tractor yeah. uh, on Saturday. He was pretty excited, and uh, now I got somebody else to help mow my meadow. I'm kind of excited about that. What I didn't tell you, Dave, is my pear trees are also completely laden. Wow! I don't have many peach, peaches. Ten, I, I didn't spray this year, so nothing's really sitting on the tree. But the peaches are getting big on there, getting big and heavy on there. So. Maybe I'll bring you in some peaches one of these days. Listen, I love peaches. Uh, uh, maybe some pears, have, too. Have them for breakfast every morning. Maybe some pears. Costco's had some great organic Georgia peaches, by the way, this last yeah. couple of weeks. I like, you know, it's a, it's a terrible thing to say, but in the past, uh, South Carolina peaches have sometimes outdone the Georgia peaches. Yeah, they have. Um I think part of it is uh, the climate's a little bit better over there in some ways. George, South Georgia's had some um, had some droughts in the last several years, but I think this year has been a good year for them. I think it's good year, been a good year for them. Well, that's kind of the garden update. But I, one thing I wanted to cover on the first hour, the first ha- section of that, I just completely forgot about, was a Supreme Court decision out of Arizona. So we were talking about how the states gerrymander, how these Republican state legislators, more so than Democrats, because Democrats have been stupid in the last couple of decades, gerrymandering districts in their states so that. The GOP maintains a majority in the House, despite the fact they don't have a majority of the voters voting for them. And they do this because of the way it's gerrymandered. Now, Georgia doesn't have this, unfortunately, but the state of Arizona, where I also lived, and of which I'm a member of the bar, uh, has a petition process, like California, where citizens can get enough petition signatures and put something on the ballot. Well, they put on the ballot... Uh, petition to allow an independent commission, two Republicans, two Democrats, and one independent, appointed by the leaders of the, the state, but the governors of the state, to form a, a redistricting commission every 10 years. And uh, the state of Arizona passed it. I mean, overwhelmingly passed that in the state. Well, the GOP legislature didn't like that very much, David. So they sued the state. The GOP legislature sued the state over this referendum. And the Supreme Court ruled yesterday that, no, it's perfectly fine for an independent commission. Because they were saying under the Constitution it says, districts shall be determined by the legislatures of the states thereof. And the Supreme Court said, no, legislatures of the states thereof means anything appointed by the people because the legislatures derive their power from the people. And the people decided that the legislature was going to be this, this independent commission. That's absolutely fine. Written by the notorious RBG, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as they call her. She can still write? She can, David, she's sharper than most of those guys up there. Um, and uh, so she wrote that opinion. 
And I thought, first thing I thought, Dave, wouldn't that be awesome? I think every state should be that way. I think legislatures should be out of the research. I think computers should do it. They should just say, this segment, really, districts are just, in my opinion, the way I looked at it, the original intent of the founders was you divide your state into as equal as possible districts with equal as possible numbers of people, and that's your district. It doesn't matter how they're going to vote. It's really only been since we started analyzing voter registration, etc., that and, and really the details of, in, a, in a consumer society in the 21st century, even more so, where people live determines who their rep is going to be. And so, rather than saying my district in North Fulton County should include, you know, North Fulton County from the line in Milton all the way through Buckhead, that should be one district. But it's not. It's two or three different districts. Okay, because of gerrymandering, so we can make sure that one district gets a Democrat and three districts get a Republican, and they're all going to go through the same county trying to get enough people. I think that really a district designed as close to a square or a rectangle as you can get that fits within the boundaries of the state should be the district. Here's it. And every district in Georgia, I think, has something like, what, 700,000 people? I think the number is 700, 650. I, I forget what the number is, 500, 600, people. There's my district. Bam. And that's the line, and that's it. And the next is the neighbor across the street. He might be in another district because, yep, you're counted in that district. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, so I fr- immediately went to the Georgia, you know, what is the Georgia rule on, a, on uh, let's, let's get something going. Let's, let's pass something. Not in Georgia. <laughs> There's only really effectively one way to amend the Georgia Constitution. The state legislature must pass a proposed constitutional amendment by a supermajority, two-thirds, basically. What is the chance that the Georgia legislature will pass a bill, a constitutional amendment, allowing for an independent commission to draw congressional districts? Zero! That's just not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. So there goes my brilliant idea, David. Unfortunately, out with the bathwater. Out with the bathwater. Uh, so uh, one more thing on Donald Trump. Um, now... I don't recall, maybe you could help me, David, a more tone-deaf presidential candidate. Do you? Can you? I mean, what I mean by that is somebody who literally does not care what other people think about him on any issue. Can you think of anybody? I mean, maybe whether it's... That, maybe that's what we need. We need a narcissist in the White House. No, we got one in the White House. <laughs> Yeah, I threw him. I threw you that softball, David. Shh, thank you for hitting it out of the park. Um, do we really need somebody like Don? I mean, would you really vote for Donald Trump? Really? Come over, on, Dave. Tell over me. Over Hillary in a moment. Would you vote for Donald Trump in a primary where it was only him and Satan running? Yeah, you're hesitating, so David. You're hesitating. We've already had Satan. You <laughs> already so. say you're hesitating. You know, here's the reality. No, nobody, nobody with a sane mind is going to vote for this guy. And yet he's got, as he he's said... He's doing pretty well. He's doing pretty well because he's richer than God. And we need more rich people in the White House. Really, this guy, he makes a mockery of the process. <laughs> he makes a mockery of the process. Uh, and what, is, what has Obama done? 
Well, I don't know. He's created health care for millions of Americans. He's improved the stock market by 200%. He's created millions of jobs. That's the deepest recession started by a GOP. Hey, I'm believe, beginning to believe that you're I, I don't know. Here. What has he done, David? I, he's done a lot of damn things. That uh, what? Here's a better question. What would he have done with a Democratic Congress? Had, more, uh, I mean, I'm just asking, David. You know, you ask I get to ask the question, too. I'm not saying I support the guy. I think he's been a terrible president in some ways. But he has done a lot of stuff. He has done a lot of stuff. You might not like what he did, but he did a lot of stuff. And as a result, he will likely go down as one of the more consequential presidents uh, in American history. Like it or not, he, he may very well be. Um, but I, I, I want to float this one thing before the break, David, because I saw this yesterday. I knew you would love this. A famous well-off 55-year-old retiree lawyer. Supreme Court? <laughs> Somebody floated a Barack Obama's name to go on the Supreme Court. Has, there, has an ex-president ever been put on the Supreme Court? The answer is yes, David, they have. Right. Mr. Right. Taft went on the Supreme Court. Um, I think it was Taft. Um, it may, I could be wrong. I think it was Taft. At least one ex-president on the Supreme Court. So, I'm just saying, David, it could be worse. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Don't be hoodwinked by the left who wants you to believe the fairy tale that we can power America on butterflies, rainbows, and pixie dust. I'm Marita Noon. Get the truth about energy on my show, America's Voice for Energy, only on America's Web Radio. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, I was in Houston yesterday. Yeah, I was in Houston. Yeah, Houston. I was in Houston. You know, it's funny because when I first met my wife, she took me out to the cemetery in her small town in Utah. Uh, and um, there's this headstone there. So who are the Houstons? She says, who? The Houstons. Oh, the Houstons. The Houstons. Uh, Houston was, and this is coming from Atlanta, David, it was hot. It was really stinking hot, and it was really stinking humid. Really humid. It made Atlanta look like Garden City uh, in New Jersey. Um, but I was in Houston yesterday, David, to attend an oral argument in federal district court. 
First, let me say to our immigration lawyer listeners, what a joy it is to go to federal court and be in a real courtroom with a real judge, with real opposing counsel, and to be treated like a real lawyer, as opposed to what happens in what is called immigration quote-unquote court uh, in front of an administrative law judge um, who, who belittles you and your client and the government at any turn and government lawyers who really don't seem to care about their jobs or what they're doing. Uh, really, David, it was a wonderful opportunity yesterday. And I, I certainly, I mean, I'm sure the judge doesn't listen to this or that Mr. Opposing Counsel has listened, but what a joy it was to be there. The case is fascinating, David. Let me talk about this. Why was I there? Why did I go to Houston? In 2000, a woman comes from China on a visitor visa to the United States. She's recently divorced, uh, and she's uh, looking to get away from things a little bit. She comes to America, uh, and uh, she meets a naturalized U.S. citizen uh, at a restaurant. They begin talking, they begin dating, and they decide a few months later to get married. A few months after that, he files for a green card for her. They're together for a little while, but then, then he starts disappearing. He's gone for days or weeks at a time. And pretty soon, he just doesn't come back. She decides he's left him. And then she tries to find out where he is, and it turns out he has another girlfriend. He's abandoned her. So she finds out where he is and divorces him a year later. All during this time, her green card application has been pending. But she hasn't done anything. She hasn't even gotten a fingerprint appointment she hasn't gotten a work card. Nothing's happened. Just this thing's been filed and nothing's happened. She gets divorced. And of course, when you divorce, there is no marriage. All right? So years, so she's over, now she's, now she's kind of out of luck, you know? She's, her husband's gone. She doesn't have any immigration status. And so she just moves from California where she's been to New Jersey. In New Jersey, she meets another naturalized U.S. citizen. Very nice man. Uh, they get together and they get married. And they file for a green card in 2007. A year or so later, they get called in for an interview. And they say, great, you've got a wonderful marriage. Here, here's their stuff. And I said, great, we'll be back in touch. It's March of 08. They have this interview. In January of 2009, she gets a letter in the mail. Or he gets a letter in the mail. really says, hey, we're going to deny your application because your wife, your current wife, committed marriage fraud in her first marriage because her first husband was actually married to two other women at the same time he was married to her. Okay? She was like, she goes, what? What? I didn't know that. She had no idea. So they have a lawyer and they respond to this. And the government says, no, no, you didn't respond to our our thing. He was married to three women. That's marriage fraud. Now, they never answered the question, how is being married to three women at one time and one of them doesn't know, and the, 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 how is that marriage fraud by her? Because the law says she has to commit marriage fraud. She has to commit marriage fraud. Not, not him. He can commit all the marriage fraud he wants, but she didn't know. <laughs> they don't cite any evidence that she knew. In fact, they were able to get a letter, from an affidavit from the ex-husband that said she didn't know. I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her. <clears throat> so all the evidence says she didn't know. Not denied. So they appeal that decision. That lawyer appeals that decision to the Board of Immigration Appeals. The Board of Immigration Appeals says, you know, 
we've looked at the record, and you haven't really rebutted the finding that your husband was married to more than three people and you committed marriage fraud. That's it. There's no analysis there whatsoever. You committed marriage fraud. Have a nice day. Three years go by, and in 2014, they come to see to this And to this day, they really don't know what happened. So this day, they come to me. I say, what can we do? I said, really, the only thing we can do is we can file a lawsuit in federal district court called a declaratory judgment action. And in that declaratory judgment action, we can, find, we can argue that you didn't know that the government's decision was arbitrary and capricious because how can they find that you committed marriage fraud, you committed marriage fraud, when all the evidence says you didn't know? Okay? So we filed that lawsuit uh, last year. Um, the government responds, says, no, 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 we were right. That's really about it. And we file cross motions for summary judgment. Basically, here's the facts, Judge. Here's the facts as we know them. We want you to decide whether the Immigration Service had what's called reasonable, probative, and substantial evidence to find that she committed marriage fraud. Not that he committed marriage fraud. That, that appears to be true. But that she committed marriage fraud. And whether by doing so, they found that it was, you know, she finds it's arbitrary and capricious. Now, the government's argument was, by law, because it wasn't a real marriage, and the marriage was not bona fide, that equals marriage fraud. Now, fortunately, there's a bunch of cases that say that's not the case. That's not marriage fraud. Um, but that's the government's position. So we were invited to come to oral argument yesterday in federal district court in Houston. Now, I will tell you, it's a, the, it's a typical federal government courthouse. I don't know if you remember it, David. It is a big box, literally a square box with square windows, little square windows all over the place. It's one of the ugliest buildings in Houston, without a doubt. But a typical federal government courthouse. It's a similar one they just built in Salt Lake City, which they call the Borg Cube. <laughs> Looks just like that. Uh, we walk into the courtroom, and it's the ceremonial courtroom. It is, David, it is massive. It must be 10,000 square feet. I mean, it's huge. It's a huge courtroom. And I've got my client with me. I brought my son with me as well because he's clerking this summer in Houston, and I brought him along with me to see the oral argument. Uh, the government got up and did their, their argument that, hey, judge, you know, she uh, she had to have known. It's their argument now. Well, she had to have known. How did she have to have known? Well, he, they were only married for a few months. Okay, so how did how did she know? You know, they have no evidence of this. So I got up and did my argument. I said, Judge, there is literally n- not a scintilla of evidence in the record that my client committed marriage fraud. There's nothing. And the government cannot rely today on evidence they did not rely on in making their decision. That's called matter of cha- that's called the Chanery versus SEC decision. They can't. They can only rely on this. And if they only rely on this and there's no evidence in the record, there was not substantial probative and reasonable evidence that my client knew and thus committed and had the intent to commit marriage fraud. Period end of story. Uh, it ended up being a very interesting oral argument. It lasted over an hour, which is unusual. You usually don't get that much time. The judge was very, it was so fun to see a judge very involved, very understanding, paying attention, seeing what was what's going on here, uh, and really knowing what was happening. 
So we didn't get a decision yesterday. We'll find out in a few months about the decision. But, David, it was a very interesting experience, and I'm grateful for the chance to go to Federal Reserve Court. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano, o tiene problemas con inmigración, o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Georgia author Doug Dahlgren. Join me Fridays at 11 a.m. for a new show here on America's Web Radio. We call it the Prologue. I'll be introducing you to other writers you may not have heard of yet. That's Fridays at 11 a.m. here on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national. Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on americaswebradio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on americaswebradio.com anytime you like. This is americaswebradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, we have some news out of Texas, actually out of Louisiana, on the deferred action lawsuit. As you know, we have been patiently waiting for July 10th to come along. Because it was on July 10th that the new Fifth Circuit panel, the mo- the, the actual appeals panel, was going to hear Judge Hanna's decision. As we talked about last week, I felt very confident that this new panel um, would overturn the decision of your good friend, Jerry Smith. felt very confident about that. But David, I, I've got some really bad news. We found out yesterday who the new panel will be. Mm-hmm. The new panel is Jerry Smith. All right. Judge Elrod, who is the other Republican on the initial panel, and a new Democratic panelist. Um, so once again, uh, we look like uh, that the DAPA is going to be defeated. Uh, it would be a stunning reversal of position. Stunning reversal of position if Jerry Smith found that Obama had the lawful authority uh, to issue this decision uh, and did not violate the APA. Uh, It is time now, now that we know who the panel is, it is time for the Obama administration to publish his DAPA rules in the Federal Register to get over this issue. It's time to get it done. He's dorked around now for seven months. He could have done it right away as soon as it was saved in February. We'd already have DAPA in place. It would be legal per, per the decision. And what can I tell you? Obama is, doesn't care about immigrants. Um, he doesn't have to now. He, well, he really doesn't have to. I agree, David. I agree. If he ever did, and I don't think he ever did. 
So uh, I'm going to write a blog today about this, David, but the, the, the DAPA panel that's coming up, the chances that they will sustain Judge Hannon are well above 90%. I doubt that the Jimmy Carter appointee, uh, uh, maybe she's a Clinton appointee, I forget what, I think she's a Carter appointee. Probably Clinton, she'd be dead if she was a Carter appointee, right? Yeah. So she's a Clinton appointee. will be able to sway Jerry Smith. Pike, uh, possibly the most conservative just judge in the United States today at the Court of Appeals level. Uh, so I see that uh, going down in flames. Um, I don't know if the Supreme Court will take that case. I, who knows if when it comes out. I guess we'll know. I think the uh, Obama would be foolish to appeal it to the Supreme Court. Uh, first of all, because it will take till next June to get a decision, and then, of course, we've got nothing at that point. We've got nothing at that point. Obama's gone. Uh, but you know what it becomes then, David? Now, let's take a look at this from the political point of view, from a politics point of view. It makes eminent sense for Obama to know he's going to lose, specifically act to not publish it in the Federal Register and not follow the APA, appeal to the Supreme Court, knowing the Supreme Court's going to take the case. Okay. They wouldn't take it if the state's lost, but they'll take it if Obama loses, I think. And then wait a whole other year to have, a, to have a decision. Why? Why does that help Obama? Well, better said, why does that help Hillary? Because it keeps people pissed off at the GOP on immigration. I mean, so between Donald Trump's antics and foolishness and DAPA remaining unfulfilled, you will, and then Hillary coming out and saying, I'm going to increase DAPA to include everybody. Everybody's going to have deferred action until Congress acts. I'm not going to, basically, I'm not going to enforce the law against people who have nothing other than an illegal entry or a visa over so I'm not going to enforce the law. Then, Who's going to vote for Republicans? That's that. That's pro-immigration. Very few people. You know, it's funny, David. I was meeting with on Sunday with folks from my church, and it's a Latino church. Many of them were undocumented, and uh, they asked me, "Well, what about the, you know the Republicans?" He's, one guy said, and I love this guy. He says, "You know, if I could vote, I'd vote Republican." This is a guy who's undocumented, right? I said, "Why?" Well, I mean, he says, "Other than immigration." If, if, if they could get their facts straight on immigration, I'd be a Republican. So I went around the room to 10 other people. If the GOP was good on immigration, would you support them? Oh, yeah. Every single one of them said yes. This is what the GOP doesn't get. This is what they don't get. There is a massive, large number of Latinos who would support them on almost every other issue if they were just reasonable on immigration. So, this is why having a candidate like Bush would be good, or Kasich, who's even better than Bush on this, and why somebody like Trump or Scott Walker would be really bad, and why Rubio is kind of in this middle because nobody knows what he believes anymore. Because <laughs> he keeps changing his appointment, his, his position. So, David, that is, um, that's kind of what, what's happening um, in the context of how these people feel about the process, so I, I, I remain in a in a conundrum uh, about uh, about this as we move forward. Um, 
Now, David, I will tell you that ICE is uh, taking a new position. Uh, when President Obama announced the DAPA uh, in, um, uh, in November 20th, uh, he actually was announcing policy memos published by Secretary of Homeland Security Jay Johnson. One of those memos that Jay Johnson published, there's 12 of them, by the way, one of them that he published was on the, the enforcement priority, what they call the enforcement priorities. Basically, who gets deported when? Uh, they, and they have three priorities. Priority one are people with felony convictions, really almost of any kind. You have a felony conviction, you're gone. Uh, two, Individuals with multiple misdemeanors or DUIs. DUIs. Now, DUI under immigration law is not a deportable offense. It's not a deportable offense. And it's not considered a crime involving moral turpitude. So they carve, they actually increase immigration law to say if you have a DUI, we're going to arrest you. And if you're undocumented, we'll deport you for being undocumented. We're not going to give you any second chances. And the third priority was for people who had deportation orders after January 1, 2014. So anybody who was currently in deportation proceedings. Uh, so what ICE has been doing, and you may have seen this, David, something about the newspaper here recently in the last couple of days, there's been a lot of enforcement actions uh, around, the, around the country, including here in Georgia, where they went and have been rounding up people who meet one of these three enforcement Priorities. Uh, the enforcement priority that they're really focused on uh, are individuals who um, uh, uh, have criminal convictions that have been put out, people with prior deportation orders that have criminal convictions, and then just people with DUIs. And they're getting this information from the counties. And now we have had several clients come to us who were released by the Immigration Service six, eight, ten months, two years ago, pending their trial in immigration court who had a DUI, who are now being rearrested by the service on the idea that they're danger to the community because they had a DUI in 1998. And the immigration judges are following suit by essentially denying bond to these people, by, by taking themselves out of the role of being a judge and putting themselves in the role of being a prosecutor by saying, no, no bond for you. When bond was given, bond was fined six months ago. Why is bond not fine now? What has changed? What in my client's life has changed? And the answer to that, of course, is nothing. Uh, but ICE is out there, particularly here in the South, rounding up people and keeping their jails full. Now, part of that, David, goes back to what all you, you always talk about, which is follow the money. Follow the money. And you've got to keep these detention centers full. That's the law in the United States. Got to keep our 34,000 beds warm every night. Uh, so uh, ICE is out there helping private businesses keep be successful by making sure those beds are filled every single night. Uh, now that that's unfortunately kind of sad, I think. But uh, uh, what's what's harmful about that is how it's impacting families. How it's impacting families as they move forward. Um, uh, it is uh, causing uh, individuals to be separated from the children, usually the primary breadwinner. Uh, it was on Thursday of this week that the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, uh, uh, in an article uh, written by I don't know who because it has no byline on it, uh, just some dude's face who I don't recognize, 
wrote this. Federal immigration authorities have rounded up dozens of convicted criminals in Metro Atlanta, Augusta, and Northwest Georgia. That just sounds... It sounds like they're chasing Sweat and uh, the other clown around New York, right? That's what it sounds like. They're rounding them up. Of the six people arrested during the June 14th to 18 operation, 17 were convicted felons or who had convictions for associations with a criminal street gang. Okay. What about the other 43? The others, so only 17 had felonies. The other 43 had multiple misdemeanor convictions. Conviction include DUI, which is not a deportable offense. Drug possession, maybe marijuana. Aggravated assault and battery, which makes it sound terrible, but usually is simply touching somebody. Some of the convictions went back years. An El Salvadoran man convicted of possession of cocaine in 04. A Honduran man convicted of a concealed weapon in 01. And possessing a firearm during a felony in 07. Of the 60 arrested administratively for being in violation of immigration law, all are being held in custody pending immigration removal or removal from the United States. So, there you go. Now, those arrested came from Antigua, a hotbed of illegal immigration, Belize, really, Belize, Colombia, El, that's probably the cocaine guy, right? Uh, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Jamaica, well, that could be the marijuana guy, Mexico, Nicaragua, Romania, because really, that's the hotbed of who knows what, South Korea, and Thailand. So, uh, that's what's going on with our friends here in ICE, and that's happening all over the United States. Uh, this morning, I got an email from a client of mine uh, who is uh, one of the leaders of the Dreamer movement, uh, wondering why ICE is calling in her friend, who uh, has a DUI from uh, several years ago, would normally be DACA eligible, but DACA bars DUI people from having it. Uh, why is ICE looking for him? And I had to tell her ICE is looking for him uh, because he's got a DUI. And they're going to arrest him, and they're going to deport him. Um, and I think she was uh, she was surprised by that. I think she was really surprised by that. Um, and uh, I don't think she really realized the the way that ICE today is effectively, I call it scraping the bottom of the pickle barrel to get the uh, jail to keep the jails full. Uh, you, you follow the uh, uh, you follow the money, and you see really what's controlling the way immigration uh, works on this stuff. And uh, it's, it's terrible. And, and the representative that you really are fond of, uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Yes, who's a big, who's a big supporter of these private prisons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big, big friend of mine. Um, uh, it is, uh, it's sad, David. It's absolutely sad. Um, now, this week, uh, there probably won't be a lot of big news. There are, of course... I, always around July 4th, this week from July 1st to July 4th, there are a number of citizenship swearing-in ceremonies, David. What a better time to get sworn in to be a United States citizen than July 4th, right? Uh, and I celebrate with those. We have several clients who are being sworn in this week. I'm very excited for them. Uh, it's, a, it's a unique opportunity. David, have you ever been to a citizenship swearing-in ceremony? No. You should do a live show from a citizenship swearing-in ceremony one day. I wonder if they would let me do that. I should ask. Yeah, they do them in the morning, so I mean, like at ten o'clock. So yeah. it'll be kind of fun to have a citizenship. We could we could bring a remote mic, a remote record, and record it for uh, future play. And what is what is citizenship swearing? It's very cool. As they read people's names and they they raise their right hands for the truth, and they say the pledge of allegiance for the first time. It's very very touching and very moving. And and I recommend anybody who has never been to one 
find somebody, find an immigrant that's being naturalized and be their friend to go with them to the ceremony. It's very cool. The sad part, of course, is they limit who can attend just for space issues. Uh, so many people are getting naturalized. There's a huge backlog of naturalization people get sworn in. Uh, hundreds of thousands that really need to be interviewed and mm-hmm. sworn in. Uh, that it, the, the rooms are just not big enough to accommodate. Uh, usually they have one at the, at the Braves game, which would be kind of fun to have a Braves stadium swearing in. That'd be kind of fun to do that. Uh, or even to do one in federal district court would be an absolute blast moving forward. So, David, this week, how are you celebrating July 4th? Very quietly. Very quietly. Yeah, That's we awesome. Don't, we don't... Uh, family won't be around, so uh, it'll, it'll just be my wife and myself and... Uh, very quietly. We're having uh, a baptism in our church on, other, on July 4th. I'm other than the club, which I back up to, has a big 4th of what July. Who do you back so up to? Dunwoody. Oh, Dunwoody Country Club. Yeah. yeah, they have. So you get firework display in your backyard. Yeah, in fact, uh, we were members many, many years, and uh, it was easier to stay in the yard than it was to go to the mess. Uh, <laughs> they go around the corner or two. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we get it. It. Uh, about 9.30 to 10, it will be very loud there. But, well, uh, this year, of course, Georgia has legalized fire, real fireworks, so it may be even louder than you think uh, as they move forward. Could be. Uh, other than that, we, you know, I, I may be a little bit strange, and I was telling you some of the things that have happened recently, but beyond that, I, uh, I have a little routine of cooking out on July the 4th, and... Uh, but I, I, uh, I, I take it as a very reflective day. I, I, I don't take it lightly. I think when you think about what, I, what, what our real founding fathers did that day, the place their lives are sacred, unfortunately their lives are sacred honor, uh, to tell the king to shove it, uh, I, I think we should all make a practice of reading the Declaration of Independence. Why, why did we leave? Uh, a lot of times people praise the Constitution, which I think was I think is a divinely inspired document. Um, but the Declaration of Independence, I think, is even more so. Uh, the Constitution, while hard to write, had to be done. The Declaration did not. The Declaration didn't have to be done. It was done by a small group of men, uh, and I suspect their wives uh, had a lot to do with this and supported them tremendously. Uh, as they realized that they could no longer live in a society ruled by a tyrant. Now, fortunately, David, I think we've done a remarkable job over the last 200 and almost 50 years, right? 240, 39 years since the Declaration of Independence of uh, making sure that we're not ruled by tyrants, despite what you hear from Ted Cruz, etc. We don't have a tyrant in the way. We're president of the White House. You might not like what he does, but the reality is he's still governed by the Constitution, still governed by Congress, still controlled by the courts. Uh, we have a vibrant democracy. It's changing before our very eyes. And that's okay. Because you know what? When you follow the founding fathers from 1776 to 2020, was it 24? When, uh, uh, 26 when the day that Jefferson and Adams both died on July 4th together. The country changed dramatically during that time. And they were supportive of that change. And we have that same change happening today. Anyway, it's been great to be with you this week. We'll be back next week on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.